Welcome to the Wild Arrow Outdoors podcast. Our goal is to help educate people on all aspects of archery while at the same time. Learn some new information from some of our outstanding guests. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wild Arrow Outdoors podcast. This is going to be episode two. Uh, in this episode, we're going to get to know Joe better. Again, as a recap, my name is Steve, and with me is my buddy Joe. So, Joe, how you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great. Good deal. So, this episode is uh, going to be, like I said, to get to know Joe. Um, and we're going to get into some, some of Joe's life stories, a little bit of what he's been through and where he's at right now in his life and why that matters of what we're trying to do with this podcast. So Joe, I know you've got a lot of experience being in the outdoors and hunting and things of that nature. So let's just start at the beginning. How did, how did you get started in hunting and where you at? And, uh, you know, what, what got, what got you interested in the great outdoors? Sure. Uh, kind of a long story, I guess, but I'll try to, I'll try to synopsis. Because you're old. Because I'm old, yeah. So, well, let me, yeah, I'll back up a little bit there, I guess. Um, I'm I'm 53 years old. Uh, I, I currently uh, live in Bismarck, North Dakota uh, with my wife. And I uh, have two two children. Uh, I have a son and a daughter. And uh, they're both uh, college-bound now. So, uh, we're having fun having everybody home here for the holiday season. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, about that, I guess, maybe in another episode with, with the kids and all, but, um, I was originally born and raised in Northeast Pennsylvania in the, in the big woods, Susquehanna County. Shout out to my, my family and friends back in Susquehanna County. I still have a lot of them there. And, uh, uh, but, uh, I grew up, grew up in Northeast Pennsylvania, um, uh, partially raised by wolves, I think, cause I spent so much time, me and my buddies spent so much time running around out in the woods. I mean, that was one of the ways we entertained ourselves when we were kids, you know, whether it was playing hide and go seek or, or, uh, building forts or whatever else, you know, young, young kids get themselves into, but we, uh, we spent a fair amount of time back in those days, just running around in the woods, getting dirty and looking for critters and all those kinds of fun things. But, uh, yeah, so grew up in Pennsylvania, born and raised, uh, after high school, you know, uh, in my high school career, I, uh, was a, some, somewhat of a underachiever. I think, um, my, my priorities were, uh, staying eligible to play my sports and, and chasing girls. And, uh, so I, I got good enough grades to keep mom and dad off of my back and, and that I could still go play my sports and do those things. And, uh, so when it came time to graduate, all my buddies were getting ready to go off to college. And I really, I had no interest in going to college at that point in my life. I was no academic, uh, but, uh, so I was a little bit stuck, you know, I, uh, I wasn't sure what was what was the right next step for me, but I knew I did want to get out of my little hometown. I mean, I, I, I love my hometown. Don't get me wrong. I don't, don't mean to throw any shade on that, but it, you know, it was, it was a small town, you know, it came with all its small town things. Everybody knew everybody and everybody knew everybody's business. And, um, 
uh, I had a really good, good circle of friends growing up. And, uh, um, so, you know, I still have a lot of fond memories of home, but I knew there was something bigger out there. You know, I just, I had, I kind of had a sense of adventure in me and I, I wanted to know what was out in the world, you know? And, uh, so for me, I, I took the military path. I, uh, in my senior year of high school, I, uh, I went ahead and enlisted in the, in the U S air force. And of course, uh, my dad was an air force guy. Um, he had served back in Vietnam and, uh, and so, you know, for, for not having many other options, um, I thought that was a, a good way for me to get out and get some life experience, learn some discipline and, and, uh, and, and do some of that. So, yeah. So out of high school, when all my buddies were heading off to college, I was heading to San Antonio, Texas, uh, Lackland Air Force Base to, to go through ba basic training. That was, uh, that was back in 1989. That was December of 89. I graduated high school in June of, of 89, uh, headed off to San Antonio in December of that year. I served, I served four years of active duty service, uh, in, in the air force. Uh, I was, uh, part of operation desert storm. Uh, I was, a I was a command and control specialist in the air force, which means that, uh, I sat in a bunker 80 feet underground and, uh, used a, a, a wide range of, uh, different communications, uh, uh, processes, I guess we'll say. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was sitting on the console in Germany, Spangdalem, Germany, the night that, uh, the go to war order was given for, uh, for operation desert storm. So, uh, our Man, base. That's going to give you a little bit of a pucker factor, doesn't it? Yeah, I was, I was, uh, 20 years old. Yeah, I was, I was 20, 20 years old. I think when, uh, when that night came, um, uh, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was something, um, this is at the time. I had a very, you know, a very different perspective, right? When you're, you're young and 20 years old, you're, you're gung ho and, uh, you're invincible. indestructible, invincible. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was hungry for it. You know, I was like, Hey, you know, this is what our country's doing. This is what we're doing. So let's go get it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I served in my, during my four years, uh, in the air force, I was in my first duty station was in Spangdalem, Germany. I was at the time that was the, the 52nd tactical fighter wing is what they called it. Uh, that was back in the days when they had Mac TAC and SAC in the, in the air force. That was the, um, the tactical fighter wing was obviously it was fighters. Um, we had F4s and F16s flying what they call hunter killer teams. Um, and so, uh, so that was my first two years. And then, uh, my final duty station, uh, is what brought me here to North Dakota. Uh, I was at Minot air force base, uh, which is the fifth bomb wing, um, uh, fly B 52s. I think they still fly the B 52s out of Minot today. Uh, so we had B 52s and KC 135 air refueling, uh, aircraft. Uh, so yeah, my last, my last, uh, my last duty station was, was, uh, just a hundred miles north of where I'm living today. So that's where I'm at. Well, that's how I met my, my wife, um, her brother and I served together. And so, uh, so that's how we met many, many years. We're about to celebrate our 25th anniversary here, not, not too distant future. So good deal. It's amazing how, when you look back in the rear view mirror of life, how all the dots get connected. Yeah, it is.
it's a small Sometimes world. you're looking out the windshield, you're like, man, I don't see where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't understand what's taking place. And then when you look back in the rearview mirror, though, man, it's just like, you can see where I always say that when things seem like they happen as a coincidence, that's God just being anonymous that, you know, yeah. God, God's always moving the pieces around and, and always, uh, putting us where we need to be at at a certain time for a certain task. And like you said, you know, you started off you really didn't know what to do so i'm just gonna join the military and then and look where it took you oh yeah i you know i i I tell anybody who's willing to listen about that story you know um for me you know i started after i got out of the military is when i went to college and that was very intimidating for me i was uh i was very uncomfortable initially uh you know i just had this i had this vision in my head that was it was completely wrong, uh, but you know, just you know, oh my gosh, you know, I've been out, I've been out in the world now for four years. I've I lived in Europe for two years. I've traveled all over. I've had all these experiences, and now I'm going to go back into a classroom with a bunch of these, you know, little kids. You know, I'm I'm all worldly and manly now at the That's at right. the, the uh, ripe old age of 21 or 22, whatever it was, and. I'm just, I've got it in my head. I'm just going to be in this, in, in this room with all these kids now. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, it was so uncomfortable until I, until I actually did it until I just jumped in both feet and got back in the classroom. And then it turned out to be nothing like what I had in my head. I had a, I had a great time. I mean, it was a non-traditional experience, right? I didn't, I put myself through college. So I worked full time and went to school full time. And so, um, I didn't have the, I guess what I'll, I don't know if luxury is the right word, right? But I, I didn't have time to get as involved on campus as maybe I would have liked to, um, you know, being a part of some of the different campus organizations and things like that. I, I just didn't, I didn't have the time to do it. You know, I was, I was either working, eating, sleeping, or studying, or, or in class. I mean, I, it was my my life through those years of college were, were very, uh, well, the, the military really prepared me for that because I, I had to be very disciplined because I was paying for it out of pocket. I didn't, failure was not an option, right? Um, because it was, it was expensive and, and I was paying for every, every penny of it. So I had to, I had to make every minute count. So I worked very hard. I would take summer classes. Um, and so, yeah, so Worked my way through college. I graduated from Colorado State uh, with a bachelor's degree in finance. Um, and uh, so got a job out of college working for IBM. I worked several internships while I was in college to help work my way through school, all in accounting and finance. And then uh, uh, got, got hired by IBM out of college in uh, Colorado. And uh, Worked there for for several years. That's eventually Jenny and I. Jenny and I had started dating, and then uh, we got married and um, uh, in lived lived in Colorado for for several years. Built our first home there, and uh, and then our daughter Ayla was was born uh, in Colorado. Uh, shortly after that, I was given an opportunity to relocate back to the East Coast, and so we did. We picked up. We picked up everything we owned and moved across the country and went back to Pennsylvania. Uh, not not my hometown. We were in uh, Easton, Pennsylvania, which is uh, 
about oh an hour and change north of Philadelphia on the on the eastern border. I was I was actually working out of New Jersey, uh, but uh, we were living in Pennsylvania, just just over the border. So, so uh, yeah, I worked uh, worked with IBM for about six and a half years or so, and then uh, was was courted by Johnson and Johnson. Um, got a call from a recruiter one night out of the blue and, uh, one thing led to another and they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I went to work for Johnson and Johnson out of, uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, and, uh, was with J and J for nine years, all in accounting and finance. And, uh, and then just really missed the, missed the upper Midwest. Um, I was. You know, it's one of those weird things. I had a job that uh, a lot of guys would have killed for, you know, and it was the job that I thought I always wanted. You know, I had, I had good, good paychecks, great benefits. Um, I was on a management track. I'd been promoted. Um, all of those things that I thought that I always wanted, and I was completely miserable. I uh, was, Man, was missing out. So many times in life, doesn't it? Yeah, I was so busy chasing the almighty dollar, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, money's important, right? We have bills to pay. We have things we have to do there. But um, I was miserable to the point that, like in most circumstances, when you're unhappy, you have a tendency that, that has a tendency to, to bleed out and, and start impacting the people around you, the people that you care about the most. And uh, it, was, it was kind of an epiphany for me. I literally, I woke up one morning. And my feet hit the floor and I turned around and I looked at Jen and I just said, I don't want to do this anymore. I said, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. I, I have to make a change. If I don't make a change, this is going to eat me alive. And, uh, so a lot of hard conversations and, uh, um, a lot of, a lot of planning and preparation, but yeah, back in 2014, we, we packed up everything we owned into a 28 foot moving truck. Um, I had my pickup truck and we rented a trailer to put one of my cars on the trailer. So I drove the moving truck and my wife drove the pickup truck, pulling the trailer with a car on it. And we brought everything we owned across the country in November over Thanksgiving holiday and, uh, kind of started a new life in a way. It was, it was one of the biggest leaps of faith I think I've ever taken in my life. So this, this is moving back from Pennsylvania back to North Dakota to North Dakota. Yeah. 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 And we hadn't sold the house. I did not have a job. Um, we Ooh. literally jumped that, that, that'll, that, I mean, I, I think that speaks to the magnitude of un, how unhappy I was. Yep. Um, because I generally tend to be a fairly conservative person. I don't risk is something that I'm okay taking on myself, but I was subjecting my family. I had two, two young children and, um, that's, that's how profoundly unhappy I was at that particular moment in my life at, uh, um, and, uh, so yeah, not, not a decision I took lightly. I was, I was, uh, I was pretty scared. Uh, a lot of, a lot of uneasy feelings there, but at the same time, I also, I told Jenny, I said, you know, I've got enough experience in the business world. I've, you know, I, at that point now, you know, I had worked, I had a pretty strong resume, you know, I had built a pretty strong resume and I said, you know, I know 
I know we're going on a bit of a wing and a prayer here, but I said, I, I feel like um, I've got a strong enough resume that I'll figure it out and uh, we'll, we'll be okay. It's, it, it might be a bumpy road, but, but as long as we stick together, we'll be, we'll be all right. And uh, looking back on it now, um, my only regret is I didn't figure that out about five, five or 10 years sooner than I did, you know, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say that because the experiences that I had, you know, all those experiences make you who you are. And, and I met some, uh, I've met and, and had the opportunity to work with some absolutely amazing people. And I wouldn't trade that because the people, I think the people are the important part along the journey. Um, and, uh, and so those having the chance to meet and work with some of those people that I'm still friends with today, many of them, I still keep in touch with today. Um, just, just extremely intelligent and, and very kind human beings, you know? Um, and so I'm grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm ultimately grateful for that, but, um, comparing the life I have now to what I was doing back at that time, I wished I had traded that sooner because I did miss, I missed out on a lot, especially with the kids, uh, for those, excuse me, for those couple of years, you know, before we made the move, um, I, I sacrificed a lot, uh, that, um, like I said, I'm glad that I woke up. I just wished I had woken up a little quicker than I did. That's okay. I mean, that's, that's part, that's part of being in, in you know, that's, that's what life is all about. Recognizing where you're at, recognizing what's going on around you. And, and again, uh, that's, that's part of being one of the old guys, man, is we, we got that experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I learned a lot about myself during that period of my life. And, uh, I think the biggest thing was more around what I was willing to tolerate, right? Uh, it, it, it definitely allowed me to draw boundaries in a different way. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of life lessons there. So that's where you're at now. You're, you're still in the same location where you moved, moved to from, uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. We're in Bismarck. Uh, still doing the yeah. same job. Uh, actually, no. Um, I've, 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 I've had a couple different jobs, uh, since I've been here. Um, I started out, I was a, a financial controller for a small manufacturing firm. Mom did that for a, a couple of years, uh, and then got a better opportunity at a uh, software company. There was a, a couple of local guys here that started up a software company right around the time I got to town. I, I got to know them when we first moved here and they were just a startup at that point and, uh, and things kind of took off for them. And, uh, I ran into one of them kind of by chance at a different gathering and we started talking and they needed, they, they wanted somebody that had more experience on the finance side and they wanted, they had some different ideas of some things they wanted to do. And it was another one of the, you know, one thing led to another and, um, and they hired me, uh, they hired me on. So I worked there for five years and, uh, um, a great experience, wonderful guys. Um, but, uh, the business kind of changed a little bit and they didn't, they didn't really need me. They didn't know that they didn't need me, but I knew that they didn't need me. And, uh, and so, um, I started having some other conversations and, um, yeah, so today I'm I'm working uh, at a place called KLJ Engineering. Uh, it's a local uh, local engineering firm. Uh, 
know, specialize in uh, transportation, municipal. Uh, we we build a lot of bridges and roads and airports. Um, we do a lot of survey work and things like that. But uh, so I'm I'm the uh, financial controller at KLJ. Um, I've been there for coming up on two years now. So I fairly still fairly new to the organization, but I've been I've been in accounting and finance my entire career. So um, it's uh, just a different widget. So just like your, uh, our careers always go, careers always change and things like that. Let's, let's start with your, uh, your hunting experiences mm -hmm. and sure. where did, where did you start off with that? And let's, let's kind of just run through a, a, a bio of how you got started, where you're at now kind of thing. Yeah. I've always loved the outdoors. Um, as a young child, you know, I, we grew up my, my parents' house, my mom still lives in the house where I was raised in and it's uh it's literally stuck in the woods it is it is out on the sticks um pennsylvania northeast pennsylvania if you've ever been there it's a pretty rural part of the world um a lot of big woods um beautiful country rolling hills you know it's uh it's part of that kind of northern extension uh of of the appalachian mountains and so uh yeah that's where i grew up i mean white-tailed deer hunting there was and still is uh, kind of a religion. Um, uh, turkey, um, hunting turkeys and deer. That's that were the, those were those were my early experiences. Um, my dad wasn't much of a turkey hunter uh, growing up. He he never really considered himself much of a shotgunner, which was really kind of interesting to me. I never understood the logic of it. And I I used to pick on I used to pick on my dad all the time because he was a, a tremendous marksman with a rifle or a pistol. Uh, he was always a very, very, very skilled marksman. And, uh, and I, I would always bust his chops. I'm like, pop, you know, we're talking about a shotgun here. I mean, it throws a football size pattern of BBs right. out there. Like I've watched you, right. I've watched you shoot a pop can off a bench with a 30, with a 357 Magnum at a hundred yards. And I, 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 dad could shoot and I'm like. I've seen how you can shoot and you're telling me that you're no good with a shotgun. I'm like, it just makes no sense to me. Um, so he was, uh, he just, it was not his, you know, his, his drug of choice was rifle and pistol. And, uh, I just wanted to be more adventurous. You know, I got into the shotgun and I loved turkey hunting. Boy, the turkey woods taught me a lot, you know? Um, uh, so yeah, so I start, started hunting, uh, you know, I got, I went through my hunter education when I was 12 years old, because in Pennsylvania, you know, you had to be 12 to do hunter ed. Uh, so I did that. I got my card and got my first license and, uh, and, uh, went out my first, my first deer season and, uh, and had just about the worst experience that you could, uh, imagine for a young boy. Um, I, uh, uh. That, that, that could be its own whole separate podcast, but I'll, I'll net it out to say that, uh, I wounded a deer. It was a small deer. Uh, the deer did not want to die. Um, and it took multiple shots to, <laughs> to, to, to finally, uh, end the deer, uh, to, to, to finish the job. And, uh, I was borderline traumatized by it. It was absolutely awful. So if anybody from PETA is listening to this podcast, um, that's why we're here to help educate people of how to not get caught up in that same situation. We're all yeah. about now one shot, one kill. doesn't matter what the weapon of choice is. 
Yeah, that was a that was a bad day for me. And um, the deer. And the deer. You and the deer. <laughs> I tell you what. Yeah, I. Yeah, I'll never forget it. It was. Uh, it was definitely. It'll. It'll always be in. In. Uh, just. But that's good. That's lost on my brain. That's kind of what we talked about earlier, though, is you know, we've made so many mistakes that we know what what's what caused the mistake. We you know learn from it and we move on and we we try to get better. So I'm sure as time went on, though, as you were hunting, you got better at it, right? Oh yeah, 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 exponentially. But yeah, so I I, I deer hunted uh, for a couple of seasons. I think when I was 12, 13, 14. Um, and and my mother hunted as well so you know when deer season and deer season came around it was all three of us it was my mom my dad and myself that would go out uh uh then later in my high school you know junior senior year um i was playing basketball but then my senior year i was doing like a co-op thing where i was actually working a job and um so I got busy with other things. I had other interests, and and so I kind of gravitated away from hunting there. I think that my senior year, I don't think I was in the woods at all. Um, and then I went into the military, and uh, next thing I knew, I was overseas. So there was there was kind of a hiatus that happened uh, where I was out of the woods for a while, but not out of the outdoors. I mean, when I was over in Europe, even in Europe, I would me and my buddies would we have a weekend free, we jump in a car and drive down to the Black Forest in Germany and go hiking. You know, yeah, we cool. go miles on them. And, uh, um, you know, then we you had the Alps, you know. So I, I back in those days, I used to snow ski. So a bunch of buddies, we grab our stuff and we go down and, and ski. I skied all over Europe. Um, uh, so had, that's that's another whole podcast that <laughs> we could talk about. I'm not kidding. Uh, my European adventures. I, I was I was very blessed. I, I I did as much traveling as I could while I was there, and uh, so yeah, always enjoyed being in the outdoors. And then uh, so came back. Uh, it was it was uh, out of the military, right into college. College years, working full time, going to school full time. Didn't have a lot of time to go. I would still go hiking and. Uh, and skiing and enjoy the outdoors that way. But I, I, there was quite a, quite a few years there where I was not hunting. Um, it really wasn't until, uh, when I was coming back to Pennsylvania, when I got that relocation with IBM and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be close to dad again. I'm going to be close to some of my buddies that I grew up with back in Pennsylvania. Uh, and I, I kind of got the bug and decided, you know, I just, like you know i'm gonna have a chance to go hunt with dad again and it'll be different now i'm i'm much older i'm in a different place in my life and um i don't know it just uh it just kind of struck me all uh, out of the blue really that you know i'm gonna have this opportunity so let's let's go jump back in and um started uh started turkey hunting again uh and that's what really lit the candle um i had I had always thought about archery now, and I guess that's another thing too. At that point, I had never really done any archery at all. I had zero archery experience because dad never bow hunted. Um, he, uh, yeah, he was one of those guys that was, you know, being such a big firearms guy, he's like, oh, you know, those bow hunters, you know, bow doesn't, it doesn't have, it just doesn't have the knockdown power. It's not, you know, it's, it's not as ethical as just hunting with a firearm and 
And I, you know, I hear him go on his little spiel of this and that. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, didn't, didn't really pay, pay too much attention or give it, give it too much weight. Um, but, uh, when I was working for J and J, I met a guy who was working in my same department and we just happened to get on the topic of hunting one day and, uh, he was a bow hunter and, uh, I was really thinking about, I'll tell what was really appealing to me about bow hunting was the fact that the season was so long, yep. you know, in, in Pennsylvania, the rifle season for deer, uh, now I know it's changed a little bit over the years, uh, but it starts, basically it starts right after Thanksgiving and it's, and it's two weeks, it's a two week window. So every year. You knew if you were just gonna, if if all you were going to do was rifle hunt in Pennsylvania, you've got a two week window right after Thanksgiving, and that's your season. And working in accounting and finance, you know we've got month end closes. We've got some, you know I couldn't always get two weeks off right after Thanksgiving because I had work work uh, responsibilities and obligations, and so it was such a narrow window of time. And often those two weeks in Pennsylvania, the weather's not always great. You know, it gets cold and snowy and, you know, from one, one year to the next, you don't know what you're going to get. I always loved being in the woods in October, you know, October is just a magical time to be out in the woods. Right. And so, so I wanted that action. Like I, how do I get, how, what do I need to do to be out in the woods and hunting deer in October? Well, you need to be able to shoot a bow. <laughs> and so. I started doing the math and started talking to it, but, uh, my buddy that I worked with at, at J and J, he, uh, I'll never forget it, you know, cause he, he told me, he said, he's, and he was a rifle hunter too. He said, Hey, nothing against rifle hunting, but he said, once you kill your first deer with a bow, he said, you will never look at rifle hunting in the same way again. And I just, that just stuck with me, you know, it was very profound. I was like, wow, you know, I was, a, you know. I can relate to that. I used to look at rifle hunting, man. That was, that was, that was my life. I just couldn't wait for the next rifle season. And I don't need, this year I didn't even pick up a rifle, go out. Yeah. Rifle season, the last few years turned into, for for me, just turned into just my last, I'm going to go out for a couple of days and get even with them. For all those deer that were just out of range, you know, or just like, I'm just going to get even with you. But, uh, yeah, it just didn't have the same meaning. And I don't know if that was part of getting older and having more experience hunting or what, but man, I love bow hunting. I absolutely love it. Well, the other thing that he told me that was a hundred percent true too, was if you become a good bow hunter, it's going to make you an exponentially better rifle hunter. And I don't think any truer word were ever spoken, at least as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Hey, I, you know, I, 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 I just shot a buck. A few weeks ago, uh, with my rifle in Montana, uh, I shot a mule deer, deer buck and it was, it was a great hunt. The irony of it, the great irony of it is I ended up stalking into within 40 yards of that buck. I could have shot him with my bow if I had right. been carrying my bow. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, it's just the way it worked out, but, um, you know, I still do rifle hunt and, and like I said, I'm not, uh, not going to throw any shade on rifle hunting by any means. No, but, absolutely not. Um, I, but, uh, but I, I'll tell you, just for me personally, shooting that buck at 40 yards with a rifle felt like cheating. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
it just it, it feel, felt a little bit like cheating but uh yeah yeah uh, so that was that conversation and, and and that series of events is what ultimately led me to uh buying my first bow uh when drove down the lancaster archery supply and walked into the walked into the shop and i literally knew nothing I knew zero. And I told the guy, I said, I'm, like, I'm not going to stand here and pretend like I have any kind of experience or knowledge or anything. I said, I have some money. I want to hunt deer. I need a bow. Can you help me? And, and that's going to be the best things that any vendor could ever hear from a customer. Oh my God. I was, <laughs> I was yeah, I was, I was a dream scenario for the guy because I had a, I had, I had a little bit of money in my checkbook and, uh, I had, um, I just, I wanted to do it right, you know, and, uh, and that I'll tell you, you know, I give a shout out those, uh, the, the, the guy that I worked with that day, um, he treated me like I was the only customer on the planet. And I was literally in that shop for probably, I must've been there for four and a half, five hours because we tested multiple different bows when we finally decided on the one that I was going to go with. He did all a setup. I needed everything, bow, arrow, a case, a, you know, rest, release, like all the things. I literally walked out of there with a full setup. Um, and, and it took hours and he never, not one time through that experience did I ever feel like he was being put out or, or, you know, that he was rushing to just get me out of there, you know, um, I spent literally hours that day, but, but they set me up right. Uh, they sent me home. Uh, I, I bought myself a little block target. And, uh, so I was able to, I was able to, to go out in the backyard and, uh, you know, that, that became my new passion, right? I, I'd come home from work and then I'd grab the bow and I'd go out in the backyard for 15 or 20 minutes and, and shoot some arrows. And it let me practice my archery but also you know kind of decompressed from my day of work and it was you know it was kind of became my escape so how long have you been actually been archery hunting now so let's see i i always use ayla i always use my oldest daughter ayla to 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 do this math because i think i think ayla was i i want to say she was three years old when i started when i bought that first bow uh, so that would have been 2006. So, so again, yeah, you so got some I, good experience under your belt already with it. What's that? You got some good experience under your belt already. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I practiced religiously, uh, from the time I got, I brought that bow home. I, I shot arrows darn near every day. Um, and I'd start, you know, I'd watch all the hunting videos and, uh, studied and and um and i did i was i was able to harvest my first deer with the bow that first year um and uh and then everything that my buddy told me came to fruition i was i was absolutely hooked after i after i shot that first deer and uh brought that guy home I, and i worked hard i worked hard that season i mean i i can't even remember how many hours i spent in the tree stand it was it was a journey. So what's been the coolest archery hunt 
that you've ever been on? I guess there's two different questions there. What's the coolest archery hunt you've ever been on? And what's the most, or what you consider as your most successful archery hunt? Mm-hmm. Boy, that's, that's a bit of a tough one. Um, I, I will tell you, uh, obviously my, the, my most recent season, um, I, I, I punched a bucket list item this, this season. Um, I, I harvested my first bull elk with a bow in Montana, Western Montana, um, back in, uh, back at the end of September. Um, it was my, this was, it was my third attempt, um, at, it was my third third tag. It was the third time I'd been drawn. Um, for anybody who, for anybody who's a non-resident of Montana, you know that uh, sometimes it can be tough to get that tag in the first place. Excuse me, excuse me. Um, yeah, it's it's become increasingly more difficult to to draw those uh, those non-resident tags in Montana for the for the deer elk combo, but. Um, I, I got, I got drawn this year, uh, by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Um, uh, so, but yeah, I, uh, I shot a, what I, well, it's, it's my trophy, possibly my trophy of a lifetime bowl. I mean, he, he, he grossed, uh, 330 inches, um, netted, uh, 316 and a half. Um, and that is uh, awesome, man. I know uh, when you killed that elk. You sent me some pictures, and I was just like, I was wanting to high five you through a text message. Um, <laughs> man, that that is uh, definitely on my bucket list, but I don't know if I'll ever even get that opportunity. But to, to come from where you started off, you know, hunting and everything else, archery, and then to uh, have that opportunity to slip into Montana like that and and take a bull with a bow, man, that's that is awesome. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it is elk hunting with a bow is no joke. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's every bit of challenge that, uh, a, a fella can ask for. Um, uh, and that's, I, you know, I think that's what makes it so special, right? It's, uh, we work so hard, uh, to, uh, to get up, excuse me, but we work so hard for those opportunities. Uh, and, uh, you know, for me, it's a, it's a year round thing. You know, I, there's a term, there's a term that uh, they've been throwing around out, out there now. Like, you know, I'm a hunting athlete. Well, I kind of think of myself a little bit that way. You know, I, I, I do, I, I go to the gym. I, I try to work out. I, I train, um, largely with archery hunting in mind, um, uh, for these, for these Western hunts, you know, my, my fit, my sport of choice, obviously elk hunting, if you can get the tag, I mean, I, I highly recommend it, man, but it, it's, like I said, it's no joke. If you're going into the elk woods, uh, it's just typically the mountains, uh, with a bow, you best, you best show up fit, um, because it will kick your butt, um, all the miles and, and everything. It's, uh, you, you definitely want to put in your time to prepare for that. But, um, when I don't have the elk tag here in North Dakota, my, my, my sport of choice is spot and stock mule deer. Um, that, that I've learned, I've learned so much over the last few years of what not to do on a mule deer stock. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's so hard. It is so hard to, to, to pull that off, to, to, to go into their house and get that close to where you can shoot them with a bow and they don't know you're there. Uh, 
the the sense of accomplishment. That's an adrenaline rush. <laughs> There's nothing like it, man. There's nothing it, like it. It is so incredible when you can beat them at their own game, and, and that's why I love archery so much. You know, the bow hunting side of it. Again, I I love rifle hunting. There's no doubt that I love it. But when I see a deer at 300 yards and, and pick them off, and they don't even know I'm, I'm in the county, it is one thing. But when you could do the same thing at 15 yards or 20 yards in their own bedroom, man, that's a whole different level of I've made it. I'm I'm here. Yeah. you you ha A little bit of luck never hurts, but in order to get that close and to pull off that shot, everything has to go right. You know, yeah, every, so that, that kind of goes right. full circle to the experience side of it that we're talking about. You know, uh, can a new guy step in there and get lucky and do it? Sure. Absolutely, absolutely can. Um, and you know what? I, I, I hope I hope everybody listening to this is, is able to get lucky and then step in there and try it like that and, and get lucky the first time. But, man, when, when you get consistent at it, um, and I think you just you talked about it, you know, you've learned so much in the last few years about spot and stop kind of situations that just comes from the experience and when you get a get a, an outdoors person that's consistently getting some success out there that says a lot about who you are as a as a hunter yeah it's a it's an evolution there's no doubt about it you know and um i think you know we uh, you and i were talking earlier and i i said i think i've learned more in the last 10 years than i had in the 30 years leading up to it. Part of that was the change in, in, in venue, right? I mean, hunting in the big woods of the Northeast, sitting in a tree stand or sitting in a ground blind is, is one whole thing, right? That's one thing. Spot and stock in the, in the badlands of North Dakota or, or South Dakota or, or Montana, or, you know, chasing, chasing bull elk up in the, in the mountains in Montana, like it's just, it's a different game, spot and stock. It's a different game. And that's what, I think that's why it, I, I got so addicted to it because it was something new, you know, growing up in Pennsylvania, we didn't have mule deer. We didn't have antelope. We had elk, but the elk, elk in, in Pennsylvania, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime tag. Um, there's a very, very specific geography where the elk are at. You have to go with a guide. Um, it's, it's, it's a different thing. It's not like. You, I pulled a general tag out in Montana and I'm going to go hunt public land and do my best against every other guy who's out there trying to do their best. Right. Um, it's a, it's a completely different, it's a different deal. Uh, but spot and stock is boy, oh boy. I, I it's hard to put it into words. It, it's so hard and it's so fun and so um, rewarding when it works. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. For it sure. It can be a roller coaster. You, you think you're doing everything right. And all of a sudden, all the takes is a little swirl in the wind and, and it's done. Oh. I just, even in this last season, I mean, um, I had so many good stocks that got busted. Uh, the wind will get you. If the wind doesn't get you out well, here, it's, it's the, it's the sharp tailed grouse, the sharpies. Oh, really? Oh, my God. the ranch, the ranch that I hunt is infested with sharp tailed grouse. And they love hanging out with the deer. I can't even tell you how many stocks I've gone in on and I get, you know, I, I get to the hundred yard mark. I'm good. I get to the 50 yard mark. I'm still good. 
I'm trying to close that last 20 to 25 yards to get into that good shooting spot. And all of a sudden the cubby of sharpies will just explode around me. And then you just, then you see the deer there. They go, I mean, it's like an alarm system Man. for the mule deer. I hate uh, when that happens. Had, I've had so many great stocks that, you know, it's, yeah, and you kind of, you have to laugh, right? That's mother nature playing her oh, game, man, right? That's, that, that, that's how those big bucks get big. But boy, when you've got, when you've invested four or five hours into a stock to have it end that way is, it's, uh, it's maddening. Makes you want to go bird hunting, doesn't it? <laughs> well, and I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shark tail and grouse, by the way, is actually very delicious. Good to know. <laughs> All right. So what, what other, uh, bucket archery hunts do you have? Well, I, you know, now that I've, now that I've kind of, um, closed the deal finally with the, with the elk, I can't wait to do it again. I, I, um, I want, I want another crack. I want to go back elk hunting again. I can't wait to, to. I learned so much this past season. Um, I, I'm I'm anxious to continue that game. Uh, I'm sure there's part of it too where you just got to prove to yourself that it wasn't a fluke that you can do it again. Yeah, there is. There's there is a little bit of that. Um, you know, I like I said, I learned a lot of. Uh, as an example, I'll just throw it out there as an example, right? Um, um. I need to spend a lot of time working on my calling, my elk calling. Um, my call game was not where it needed to be. Um, fortunately, I was blessed that I was hunting with some with some friends that were exceptional callers. And I, I learned a lot by listening to them and practicing with them. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, between this season and next season, I've got a lot of work to do. Uh, and I'm okay with that. We'll, we'll get it done. Uh, but, but I was definitely a little bit behind where I needed to be. Let's see. Once again, you learned. Right. Yeah. Which is what we can keep talking about. Everybody's going to get tired of hearing the saying this, but, uh, it's all about the it's learning. An evolution. Yeah. All about the learning. We're, uh, we strive for, we strive for perfection, but really we just look for progress, right? Yeah. Progress, I'm, I'm always chasing perfect. perfection, but I'm never going to find it. Yeah, and which is fine. As long as we keep chasing it, we'll get better and better. But uh, yeah, so um, so elk definitely. I, I want to keep. I want to keep on the elk. Um, I, I I love antelope hunting. Bow antelope hunting with a bow in September. Uh, it, it is so much fun decoying, uh, decoying uh, antelope. In they are, they're a beautiful animal for one thing. I mean, they're just they're they're such a cool looking animal. Um, and they're, they're so curious. Um, I, I love antelope hunting. Uh, I never really, it, it's kind of, it's funny in the sense that it wasn't anything I ever really had had on my list of things to do before, but after I did it the first time, um, I was completely enamored with it. Um, I love going out to, I like antelope hunting in, in uh, Montana. Uh, Montana has an archery only tag for antelope, um, that used to be for non-residents that used to be like hundred percent draw odds to get that tag. And then after COVID, uh, of course, you know, COVID changed everything. And, uh, 
now if you draw that if you're able to draw that tag every other year you're doing good um, and so um i'll i'll keep chasing the antelope um i've thought about i've thought about bear um i have some buddies that like to go up to saskatchewan every year and bow hunt bear um i've thought about it i, I guess it's not super high on my priority list um part of that too was prior to this season i hadn't harvest harvested the elk yet and uh i really wanted to get i really wanted to check that box um and then uh so you know so now that i've done that mm -hmm. i'm i'm like i'm like entertained doing that but i guess the thing about the bear hunts though too and you know i don't uh again i'm not sure i don't i don't mean to throw any shade on it at all but you know the the method of you know hunting a bear over the bait and everything like that it's i don't know it it's still to me it still kind of seems a little bit like a fish in a barrel type of scenario i mean i guess just because you're putting bait out doesn't ever doesn't always guarantee you're going to get a bear um but i don't know i i love the spot and stock hunt um that it, it, where i'm at in my life right now uh I would much rather be out in the Badlands spotting and stalking a mule deer or an antelope than sitting in a tree stand. Um, yep. I just, I, 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 that's my, that's my preference. Uh, I've spent lots of, I've spent a lot of years and a lot of hours sitting in tree stands and I, I have no regrets about that at all. I mean, I enjoyed it and I learned a lot. Uh, um, but there's something about the spot and stock that is, it's just, uh, it's an, it's, it's my drug of choice. Oh, it's just such a challenge. It is so fun. Such an adrenaline rush. Well, Joe, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, just want to say thanks for being my friend. Thanks for being on the podcast and, uh, thanks for your service to the country. We appreciate you. That's my honor. And, uh, so we're going to wrap this episode up. And uh, if anybody wants to reach out, got any questions, comments, or anything, you can reach us at wildarrowod at gmail.com. So that's wildarrowod as in outdoors, wildarrowod at gmail.com. I can start getting some feedback from some people. But any questions, comments, anything else you want us to talk about or do or anything else, let's, let's get on there. Um, with that being said, we're going to wrap this one up and till we meet again thanks steve the crew from wild arrow outdoors would like to thank you for listening please tell your friends about us so that we can grow reach more listeners keep saying your prayers keep working hard we'll talk to you soon